My name is Mike Cleland, and I wrote a novel. I am just now starting the recording process for the audiobook, and I'll be posting some of the chapters online for your enjoyment, and also, hopefully, to promote the book. The book is The Unseen, and it was published in May of this year. What I'll be reading and what you'll be listening to is the opening and the prologue, and this sets the stage for the story. It is a mystery with a lot of twists and turns. This excerpt is about 14 minutes long, and I will chime in at the end with a bit more. And for now, we will start right at the very beginning. Here goes. The Unseen, a novel by Mike Cleland, read by the author. Author's note. This book is dedicated to everyone who has reached out to me with their stories. It would be impossible to truly express the depth of my gratitude. So much of what has been shared with me has made it into the pages of this book. No accounts have been presented exactly as told. They've been stretched and changed to fit the narrative, but their flavor and mood saturate this tale. This includes my own stories. As an author, I have worked hard to honor these intangible experiences. This story is fiction, yet the emotions are real. Prologue. I was frustrated. I was hoping to find a little solace, but it wasn't happening. I wanted to draw and told them so, and they brought me a box of crayons. They've been keeping me on suicide watch, and that means no pencils and no pens. I've always hated crayons, even as a little kid. There's something about the wax that never truly gets on the paper. Even if you press hard, it's never more than a muddled smear without any real color. I was trying to capture something subtle, and the red crayon was horrible. The color wasn't right. It was too normal, like a cherry stop sign. They brought me paper, but I was drawing on an old paper bag, and pressing lightly meant the tan of the paper would show through and cut down on the garish red. I used the white crayon to create a little bit of sheen in the image. I was trying to capture the magic of her hair. Yesterday they told me I would be seeing another doctor. They never said it, but I could tell by their voice that he didn't work here. I figured they had come to a dead end and didn't know what else to do. I knew this other doctor was in the building. I don't know how I knew, but I did. The staff were probably overwhelming him. There must have been all kinds of formalities and briefings to fill him in on my case. The staff told me this new doctor would be giving me an evaluation. I wasn't sure what that meant because I'd already had a lot of them. They did psychological assessments, physical exams, took blood, and ran tests. I sat patiently while they asked an endless list of questions. I evaded some things and answered others. When they ran out of questions, they taped little wires to my head and read my brainwaves. It seems they were baffled about what had happened, so they got on the phone and called in one more doctor. 
Now, I can understand their confusion. Me, on the other hand, I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp on how I got here. Not at first, mind you. I was sitting up when they pulled the sheet off me, and the look on their faces would have been funny if I knew what was going on. All I knew was I was cold, and two men in hospital garb were staring at me. And it was only a few seconds before they were all over me, trying to get me to lie down and asking a lot of questions. I could hear it in their voices. They were scared. I tried to push them away and demanded, Where am I? But they were yelling for help, and the room was filling up with people. Doctors, nurses, and attendants, all of them acting the same way. They were freaked out. A big guy in a uniform rushed right up close to my face. He looked at me and asked, Daniel, what do you need? I had no idea who Daniel was, but I was cold and said so. He brought me a blanket and wrapped it around me. It was then that I realized I was in a morgue. That was three days ago, and I've settled down, but everyone else is still on edge. They explained I was dead when they found me. I had killed myself here in the hospital. They only told me a little bit, but I eventually remembered the rest of it. I used my shirt. It had long sleeves, and these were long enough to make a clove hitch. This is a knot I knew nothing about and couldn't tie, but Daniel could. Anyway, it was the perfect knot. Once it's snugged in place, it only gets tighter. I looped it around my neck, tied the sleeves together, and hung it on the doorknob. All I needed to do was lie on the floor until I passed out. And that's what I did. It was easy. And now I was back and trying to draw. When I heard the guard talking in the hall, I knew it would be starting soon. There was about a minute of muffled voices, then a soft knocking, and then the latch slid. The door opened, and the doctor I'd been expecting stepped in. He politely thanked the guard, and the heavy door closed behind him. The doctor seemed perfectly average. Not tall, but not short, a little overweight, and a little bit balding. He carried a drab briefcase, wore glasses, and a brown suit with a light blue button-down shirt. He wasn't wearing a tie. I figured he'd arrived with one, but they made him take it off before meeting with me. They were worried I'd grab it and choke him, but that would bring in the guard from the hall, and then a bunch more. They didn't need to bother, because I was done with all that. He introduced himself and sat across from me at the table where I had been drawing, he told me he'd been called in because what had happened had left the staff challenged. I sat still for a moment, then said, They called you because you have some sort of specialty. He nodded and said, That would be fair to say. That was a fuzzy kind of non-answer, so I stayed silent. He smiled blandly and said, I have an interest and previous experience in cases that are out of the ordinary. You mean like mine? He nodded and said, yes. He opened his briefcase and took out a folder, a yellow legal pad and a pen, and set them on the desk. Then he set a small voice recorder between us, but he didn't turn it on. He asked if I needed anything, and I said I'd like a cup of coffee. He smiled and said, good, I could use one too. He stood up and opened the door, then asked me how I wanted it. I said black. 
he politely told the guard to bring two coffees with sugar and milk on the side. Then he added to bring them in ceramic mugs. The guard looked past the doctor and eyed me with concern. This was the big guy who'd brought me the blanket in the morgue. He knew Daniel, but he obviously didn't know me. The doctor repeated himself, asking again for two coffees with sugar and milk on the side and to bring them in ceramic mugs. This was a change from the paper cups I was used to in here. The staff is concerned that heavy mugs could be broken and used as a weapon. His little gesture seemed nice enough, but it felt a little showy. He wanted something. He sat back down but didn't say anything. After a bit, he calmly arranged the few things on the table, lining them up so they were neat and tidy. I broke the silence and said, They called you in because they're all stumped about me. He smiled and shrugged his shoulders as if it wasn't that interesting. Well, that's one way to look at it. How it was explained to me was that some of the staff here felt it would be helpful to get another opinion. He asked what I had been drawing, and I said it was nothing, just some doodling to pass the time. He didn't ask to see it, and I didn't show him. I pushed the paper bag to the side of the table and started putting the crayons in their box. He asked how I'd been sleeping, and I said fine, and that was true. He asked how I'd been feeling since the event, and I said my neck had been sore, but it felt much better now. He asked a few more things, and I answered as best as I could. All this chit-chat seemed breezy and pleasant. I put the last crayon in the box and set it on the paper bag. There was the metal sound of the latch, and the guard came in with a tray and set it on the table. The doctor thanked him, and he left and latched the door closed. The doctor poured a little milk in his mug and held it for a moment, as if judging the color. I picked up the other mug, took a sip, and noticed right away that this was much better than the crappy stuff they had been giving me. I sensed he had arranged this on purpose. I looked at him and said, You're here to ask if I went into the light and things like that. He sat back and asked, Did you go into the light? His question was simple enough, but for some reason it seemed funny. I said, Well, yes, I did, but that's not really important. I corrected myself and said, I guess it might seem important, but it's more complicated than that. We sat quietly for a bit. Then he said, I was told that Daniel always drank his coffee with sugar. You're correct. He did. He took another sip and set down his mug. He casually asked, What do you remember of Daniel? I said, The other doctors, they've already asked me that, repeatedly and you must have talked with them and seen all the files, so you know I remember everything. He stared at me without emotion and waited. I went on. Look, Daniel had a hard life. It was very sad for him, and it's not easy for me now to have all that in me. I don't really want to look back on it. His life. He said, Daniel killed a young woman. What are you asking? When he was arrested, he explained he was told to do it because she was being controlled by demons. I said, yeah, that's in me too. The other doctors asked a lot about that. The meds that Daniel was on helped quiet those voices. 
but it was still in him, the memories and the shame. I can answer the same questions again if you want, but I really don't want to. It's too dark. I saw the photographs the police took of her body. He said it in the same untroubled way he'd been saying everything. I said, well, I saw it too, as it happened. It's horrible, and that's in me. In you? You mean like a memory, or could you do it again? It's his memory, not mine. The doctor picked up his pen and held it with both hands. He rolled it slowly between his fingertips, but didn't say a thing. I said, look, Daniel knows what hell means, and it's not some abstraction or some distant idea. He was swallowed up and trapped in it. The doctor asked, It's my understanding that your medications have been discontinued since the event. How's that going for you? When you say since the event, you mean since killing myself, my other self, right? Yes, how do you feel? I feel like a bug in a glass jar, but beyond that I feel okay. We looked at each other. I could hear the incessant rain on the bushes out the window behind me and could smell the disinfectant they used to mop the halls. I wasn't in any hurry and neither was he. I looked down at my hands and arms. They were hard and gnarled, tightened by a life of grinding stress. My old arms were thin and lithe, and I tried so hard to achieve a sort of grace with those other hands. Eventually, he said, the staff here told me that you now want to be called John. Yes, my name is John. I actually had two names for a while. One was a pseudonym, and that's how I signed my paintings. But my real name was John. Good, I'll call you John. We talked for a while and he nodded periodically as I shared little bits about my other life before arriving here. His pen hovered about an inch above the yellow pad, but he never wrote anything. He wasn't really asking much directly. Everything was framed in this vague sort of maybe realm. We went round and round like that until I said, You want to hear the story, don't you? He set down his pen, looked at me with a new clarity, and said, Yes, I do. I said, they called you in because they needed someone to ask me about the white light and stuff like that. You're here to ask the weird questions they weren't asking, right? He raised his eyebrows and said, pretty much, yeah. I looked at him for a long time, took a deep breath, pointed to his little recorder and said, you might want to turn that on. This is Mike, chiming in after the editing. Now, if that little opening had you a bit confused about what might be at play within the story, uh, that was completely intentional on the part of this author. (laughs) I don't mean to be coy, but... uh, hmm. And just so you know, I will be posting more audio excerpts as I proceed with this audiobook reading. But I will be cautious to only share the stuff that won't end up being a spoiler to the overall plot, because there are a lot of surprises. And then, wow, 
as a writer. That was a joy. That was a joy for me to really go for it and have a lot of twists and turns. If you've made it this far, thank you so much. Bye now.